Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Refold Roundtable podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things language learning. And today we are talking about resolutions and goals. And we have a very special guest with us, Tops Down, Ethan, the co-creator, co-founder of Refold. Um, And we are going to be talking to to him today about goals. My name is Bree. I do social media things and various odd jobs around Refold. And I'm also here with Gorg. Gorg, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Gorg, aka George, and I am the community manager for Refold. And I like languages. And we have Shiki. Shiki, say something about yourself. <laughs> uh, something about myself. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> I am a, I'm a Japanese learner, stage 2C. Um, and I am a language coach for Refold. And like I said before, we have Tops Down, aka Ethan, actually Ethan, aka Tops Down with us. Ethan, everybody listening probably already knows who you are, but go ahead and give a quick intro about who you are, what you do. Hi, uh, I'm Ethan. And as Bree mentioned, I, uh, co-founder, co-creator of Refold along with Matt Verstapan. Uh, I was the one who uh, wrote a lot of the guide. A lot of the words on the page are mine. Uh, and I like helping people learn languages. All right. So, Bree, what is our topic for today? It's goals and resolutions. Goals and resolutions. Yes, sir. So to start, do, did any, does anybody have any goals or resolutions? Uh, I personally have not made any. Or, well, I have but they're not for language learning. Me, 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 me. Okay, Shiki, Vanessa. I see you have your hand up. <laughs> yeah, I have my hand up. Uh, I'm glad you th- that you saw. Um, so <laughs> this year, I am going to become an early outputter. <gasps> early or on time? Well, depends on who you ask, I guess. I mean, for a lot of people, I could be considered early, but... Um, I've been studying Japanese almost a year and a half now, so I feel like it's not a bad time to start. Awesome. My goal is a loose goal. Um, I'm not a big time tracker or anything, but my goal is just to start tracking what I'm doing and get a good handle on it and have some sort of consistency. So that is my goal this year. What about you, Ethan? Do you have any goals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had to basically put my Spanish not exactly on hold. Like I could definitely do immersion because uh, immersion is quite easy. Um, but I've haven't had a lot of time or energy to focus on really building up my ability to speak Spanish super well. Uh, you know, I can have conversations. I have uh, I talk to tutors that I talk to, but I have not been able to really break into that level of comfort with the language that I really want to achieve. So my goal for 2023 is to practice Spanish consistently for the whole year uh, with the aim of becoming a very comfortable, uh, comfortably fluent by the end of the year. That's a great goal. I think you'll get, totally goal. get it. <laughs> Solid. So Ethan, yeah. you have in the past uh, been very involved in the community and helping people set goals and learn about goal setting. 
what makes a good goal for you? Because one of the, I have a quote from you that rings in my head every time I think about goals. It's people don't know how to set good goals. So what is your definition of a good goal? Yeah, this is um, it's a very deep question. Uh, there's a lot of different layers to this problem. But there's um, a lot of different kinds of goals that you can set. I think the challenge that we face as self-learners is that we have to hold ourselves accountable. And oftentimes when we set goals, we focus on the, uh, the destination that we're trying to achieve. So for instance, if I were to say, I want to be C2 fluent by the end of the year, I set that as my goal. Um, that is useful for setting the direction, so to understand where you want to go. But it's not actually useful for uh, figuring out what you're going to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so oftentimes when folks set goals that are destination-focused and they aren't focused on how they're actually going to reach that destination, um, they just become sort of obsessed with that. And it leads to this problem where you're constantly comparing yourself against that specific goal, which is often demotivating because you haven't reached it yet. And it also... Uh, makes it feel like the journey to reach that destination is more of a chore than it is uh, part of the process. So at least a weird psychological dichotomy where you actually don't enjoy the steps along the way to your goal because you're so focused on the goal itself. Uh, so I prefer to set goals more around uh, focusing on what I want to achieve. Um, one of the things that James Clear, who's one of my favorite uh, sort of habit author, I'm not sure what you would call it, self-help author probably, um, he has a quote around how uh, goals help set direction, but uh, focusing on your system, your day-to-day -day system, um, is actually what moves you towards that goal. And it's not quite very useful to focus on the direction itself. It is much more useful to focus on uh, each step you take towards that direction. So essentially setting granular goals. Something well, I think like there's... If, if your goal is to get good at Spanish, then you shouldn't set that as your goal. You should set something like, I'm going to do an hour of immersion every day for a year. Is that, am I picking up what you're putting down? Yes, yeah, so you don't really have control over whether you're good at Spanish or not. Um, so you should set goals based around what you actually have control over. So... I can't set a, uh, I have no control over how good I am at something beyond the steps that I take to get good at it. So setting goals around the things that you do have control over, meaning amount of time spent or number of words learned or, um, you know, number of conversations had, a uh, number of, uh, you know, output hours or input hours. Those are all things that you actually have control over. And they lead up to more fluency. They lead up to that eventual goal. Um, but if you just focus on the goal itself, uh, you don't actually have a lot of control over that final destination. Um, so I don't know if that, uh, made a little bit more sense than the first explanation. I think, I think it made is, sense. Yeah. I think this is kind of huge because, um, the destiny destination based goals that you're talking about usually lead to people 
getting demotivated and giving up on their goals because they're thinking, I want to do this thing. And then they get upset because they're not, they haven't done the thing by like tomorrow. And then they just quit. Now, what happens when somebody hits their goal and then they, they kind of, they, they fizzle out, right? Like if somebody's goal is to do a thousand hours of Spanish or whatever, and they do that, some people may suddenly stop doing Spanish. What's the psychology in your opinion, Ethan, like as to why people do that? Yeah, you actually see this all the time. Um, so, uh, especially with like marathon runners. Uh, so like myself, I ran a, a Tough Mudder in 2015. And in the lead up to that challenge, I was very focused on running. And I was very good at like getting out and doing my uh, running practice um, to make sure that I was preparing effectively for the race that I was planning to do. And when I got to the race, I remember thinking to myself like, man, I feel so good. I feel so healthy. Uh, I want to feel this way all the time. So I'm going to keep running after this race is over. And that lasted about two weeks because that was the amount of time that I was motivated to do that. Uh, and without having a new race to go to, um, I didn't have any reason to keep running. And so there's a, sort of a distinction between how you approach your goals, where uh, you set, you know, one approach is you set goals based on some uh, uh, specific thing that you want to hit or specific motivation that you want to achieve. Uh, so in your case, where you just mentioned a thousand hours of immersion or, um, or in the case of running a race, like having an external motivator, like a marathon or a test to uh, hold you accountable and to act as an external motivation for you to continue working towards that. Um, but the problem with those is that once you hit them, you have to set a new one because your entire motivation was based around that, um, that number or that specific destination. Uh, so that's one approach to setting goals. The other one is to set identity-based goals, where the goal isn't to um, you know, reach a specific point. It is about actually doing the thing every single day and making it part of who you are, with the idea that if it becomes part of who you are, then uh, that becomes self-fulfilling and self-sustaining. And so once it's part of who you are, it becomes part of who you are forever. So those are the two different types of goals that you can set um, to push yourself to achieve things. I personally lean towards the identity-based goals. Yeah, that rings true for me. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but I've talked about this on the podcast before, being motivated by things that are like tangible. So <clears throat> a common example, like a common thread on my end with my languages is before I moved to Mexico, I went really hard on Spanish. When I was in Mexico, I went really hard on Spanish because it was tangible. It was real. Um, and then after I left Mexico, I didn't touch it again for several years, pretty much. Um, I let it kind of wither away. And I think that's sort of like the double-edged sword of having external motivators because they're external. They're not internal. They change with the wind. And um, that doesn't lead to consistency. 
I'm wondering specifically in that case, you, um, you had a specific goal, you had a specific thing that you wanted to accomplish, and then you accomplished it, and there was nothing else to be done beyond that. So, you know, Spanish didn't become part of who you are on a day to day basis, uh, even though it was for quite a while. But uh, your since your goal wasn't about actually integrating the language into your life and into your identity, uh, your identity didn't actually change, even though you spent, I don't know how long, maybe a year on Spanish. Um, and that's okay. You know, you don't have to make something part of your identity. Um, but if you want the long-term benefit, if you want something to be part of your life forever, then destination-based goals don't really work. They really, you really can only use identity-based goals for that. I'm wondering if um, I'm being sustained by identity-based goals then, because uh, being someone who understands Japanese and can use Japanese in their life is like a thing that is keeping me going. And I'm wondering if that crosses over to Japanese learners as a whole, since they seem to be very um, driven by, I guess, this like obsession <laughs> to, to understand Japanese. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for the Japanese community in particular, but uh, you definitely hear a lot of folks say that their primary reason for learning Japanese is so they can watch anime in Japanese, um, which I think is peculiarly peculiar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And specific to the Japanese community. Like, I, I don't hear that coming from any of the other clients that we talk to. For yeah, I'm languages. learning Spanish so that I can watch, watch Japanese. So I can watch anime. <laughs> learning Spanish for I'm the learning Spanish novella. so I can watch anime. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I can see myself using the language in my life. Like, if I get to stage four or uh, yeah. native level or whatever kind of milestone, like, I feel like I really wouldn't have an endpoint because it would just be integrated in my life and I would just keep using it beyond just hitting a milestone. Well, you, you mentioned Japanese learners, and Matt comes to mind, where, like, he... Yeah wanted to be Japanese, right? Like he he wanted to become as close as he could to a Japanese person. And he took it pretty far. And I suspect that some people may feel that way. I don't know about all Japanese learners. Now, Seems like a common thread. <laughs> yeah, you see this a lot actually in the language learning community. Um, and I always tell people, people DM me, they're like, Clayton, you've lived in how many different countries and how many different years? And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes I just miss Kentucky. You know, they want to, they, they feel like they're not, they don't fit in. They think they're going to be accepted in a different culture. And then they go and they're like, oh, I'm still an outsider. Um, and it doesn't work. So I do think that that's like a bit of a slippery slope, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to monologue about it. But I do warn against thinking that moving to a different country is going to solve your problems because it won't. Agree. And you've lived in Italy, right? So, like, yeah. you've lived abroad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a question for you, Ethan. What is something you see in the community when it comes to goal setting that you would like to fix? Because I know that over the past two years, <laughs> you have tried, uh, usually around New Year, to get people involved in setting goals. And one year, you made a big post in Central, and I forget exactly what it was, but you were frustrated because everybody was doing it wrong. 
they read your post and they took all the wrong info from it and did not actually follow through. So what are some common threads that you see like when it comes to people not making good goals? Like what are some common sort of, uh, I don't know, caveats or pitfalls? There are so many. Uh, it's, it's hard to list them all out. Uh, the, the big one that is sort of obvious that everyone experiences often, especially this time of year, is that they have this image of themselves. Uh, actually, I, I saw a meme recently about this where someone posted uh, that all of the goals that they set for themselves rely on the assumption that they will wake up tomorrow being more motivated and disciplined than they ever have been in the, the rest of their life. Um. And I feel like a lot of people do set goals that way. They think, you know, this is the year that I am going to be X. And they think that tomorrow they're just going to wake up and suddenly be a different person than they have been for the rest of their lives. Um, that, and, and you do hear stories from especially influencers where they like one day they wake up and they make a decision to just be someone else. Um, I think those are probably a little fictitious uh, for the story. Uh, people don't change on a dime like that. And so if you're setting goals that are beyond something that you've ever done in your life uh, and you have no identity to back it up and you have no history, personal history to back that up, then that's a bad goal because it doesn't match who you are as a human being. So you have to set goals that are in line with who you are. And if the thing that you want to accomplish is not in line with who you are right now, then you have to change who you are to some extent. and then. Uh, but in order to do that, it's not enough just to set some target that you want to achieve. You really do have to dig into how do you change your identity uh, as a person. And that is a, a much deeper uh, process. Uh, if you haven't read Atomic Habits by James Clear, he has a whole uh, chapter about how do you change your identity and what does that look like. But it, it's this iterative process where you're constantly tweaking aspects of your life to align them more with who you want to be. Uh, if you want to be something different, if you want to be a, you know, for example, a native level Japanese speaker, then you have to act like a native level Japanese speaker. Uh, it's not enough to study a few honky cards or for, you know, 30 minutes a day, you know, a native Japanese speaker spends 16 hours a day in Japanese. And so um, if that is the target that you're trying to achieve, then you really have to understand the identity that actually leads to that target is, and that that identity is uh, an enormous change from who you are right now. And that's not something that happens overnight. That's something that happens over the course of years through daily effort and minor tweaks. And so one of the things that we do in our coaching program is we constantly iterate on how do we design this person's life and help them design their life to incorporate the learning activities that they want to do uh, in a way that's sustainable. And then when things go wrong, how do we address it um, with the assumption that things will absolutely go wrong? First, it's called sprinting and it's got its roots and because you're actually before you became the CEO of Refold, you were like a dev, right? And it's got its yeah. roots in being a dev. Yeah, so uh, I was a software engineer, and one of the things that, if you've been in the software engineering world, you're aware of uh, agile versus waterfall methodologies. 
and waterfall was the old style of writing software where you would do uh the first thing first and the second thing second the third thing third and you would like plan them all out ahead of time and you just build them one step at a time and what people found is that uh they would get to the end of that process and some assumption they had early on was wrong and so everything would something in the system was broken or it didn't match the actual result that people wanted and so uh software engineers changed their methodology to focus on uh being a learning exercise so the you have to assume on day one that something about your plan is wrong that you don't actually know uh what is going to happen what the right thing is to do uh you know what the right product is to build or what the right software is to build or what the right architecture is and so every called a sprint is an opportunity for you to identify the assumptions that you have that you're not sure about and test them and then each sprint you learn something new and that allows you to improve on your uh, system and um it essentially becomes uh, an experiment so every sprint is an experiment you make a plan you test that plan uh, you execute on it, and then you reflect and say, okay, what went right? What went wrong? How do we address it? How do we fix it? What did we learn? And then you make a better plan for the next sprint. And so that's the way that we structure our coaching program, where every week is an opportunity for us to um, to experiment with uh, one of our clients, uh, understand sort of how their life is structured, try and make a guess or a plan of how we can integrate the language into their life. We track everything that they do, and then at the end of the week, we analyze it all, talk with them about it, and figure out how we can do better the next week. And that just allows us to really understand um, uh, our assumptions, both about the client and the, the assumptions they have about themselves over what they can do, and to quickly change and address any uh, mistakes that we make in those assumptions. And so when you're trying to change your identity, it becomes this iterative process of constantly guessing and checking uh, or experimentation and improving to align yourself with the kind of person that you want to be. And it's not enough to do it once, or uh, it's the kind of thing that you have to do forever. Um, but the more you do it, the more you align with the kind of person that you want to be. Yeah, getting used to sprints was something, uh, a bit of a culture shock for me when I started working for Refold. Uh, prior to Refold, I had spent five years for various East Asian companies where, like, perfection was king. Uh, and at Refold, we expect 80% of what we to do, uh, of what we do not to do, not to do it right the first time. You know, we expect these multiple, multiple iterations. And it's definitely a shift in mindset, I think, going from a perfectionist mindset to expecting to make mistakes and then learn from them and make small changes every week. Very different from the uh, perfectionism uh, sort of company culture in a lot of East Asian companies. Yeah, and I think that's something to to pay attention to when setting goals as well. Um, and and with any sort of goal that you do, but specifically language learning, a lot of folks get caught up in that perfection. Um, and there's a lot of, I, I hear often people say, you know, oh, well, if I can't do my entire goal, then I'm not going to do anything at all. Because... Game know, theory. It... Game theory. I was talking to an expat friend of mine. Um, he's a fellow uh, Nightwalker. And uh, he has gained a lot of weight, you know, being third shift. 
and he has And the other day he was like, hey, I blew my fast. He was only two hours into his fast. I'm like, it's only two hours into your fast. He's like, yeah, but I blew my fast for the day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat some, uh, some Krispy Kreme. And I'm like, y you're going to eat some Krispy Kreme. You're two hours into your fast. This is like basic game theory. Because you've not hit your goal, and your goal was to have like a, you know, whatever, 72-hour fast, he was just not going to try at all. It's like if your goal is to do 100 push-ups and you only do five, and then you... Where if they don't hit their goal at all, they just don't try it, period. That's kind of how I was um, when it comes to, like, for example, tracking. I have a really hard time tracking what i do because i am constantly you've been tracking and i'm proud of you thank Me you too. it's like a real lifestyle change for the past two days <laughs> but i i have a hard time with it because i am a perfectionist in nature and i get interrupted a lot and it's just the nature of having a family and being a mom and you know having people in my house that want to talk to me while i'm doing stuff and part of the thing that kept me away from doing it for so long was I can't do it 100% accurately. Like I will be, I was just talking to Shiki about this the other day. I'll be washing dishes and my hands are covered in dirty water and I'm listening to my podcast and, you know, someone will come up and ask me a question and it'll be like five minutes of interrupted and I can't stop the timer. I can't fix it. And I don't know how long that was. Um, but knowing that it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect makes it okay. <laughs> but it's hard for me because I that perfection all or nothing mentality is definitely something that um was keeping me from doing it. And it's showed up in other things that I've tried to do. Like I tried to do yoga in the past and I did it for 90 days in a row. And I'm like, I'm gonna be a yoga queen. I'm gonna Perfection is the enemy of good enough. Oh, absolutely. And then I fell and I um sprained like my arm and my leg and I couldn't do yoga and then I was like ah screw it I'm over it like I can't do it every day that ship has sailed but language learning is one of the few things where I wouldn't say that I had like I never sat down I'm not like y'all where I sit down and I have goals and you know I I know exactly what's going to happen but I had like this one goal was which was I want to be bilingual I'm going to make it happen here we go you know, and I, I have like, never stopped working towards that. I feel like this is kind of an extension of the uh, min-maxing mentality that a lot of refolders yeah. have. Like, um, there are sometimes people will ask, oh my God, when I'm doing my interactive immersion and then I look something up in a bilingual dictionary, should I pause the timer? Because it takes me like three minutes to should look you? up. And, what do you do? And <laughs> I, what do you my do, advice she? is like, uh, three minutes is not gonna kill you like i don't think it's a big deal to worry about and it and kind of the same thing to your situation of like you're washing dishes and you can't stop the timer i don't think five minutes is going to destroy your entire time tracking career <laughs> you know and you're right and i think part of it too um I, I forgot the guy who came up with the whole bullet journaling thing but in the instructions on how to set up your bullet journal i think it was mentioned that you should mess it up early on. Like you should make do make a mistake, make it messy. 
because your goal isn't to have something pristine. It's to have something that works for you. And it's okay to mess it up. You can still use it. And mm -hmm. that. And like at the end of the day, we look at our immersion in terms of hours. Like, what's the difference between uh, 841 hours and 847 hours? Like, it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> in the grand scheme. I think the other thing is to think about sort of why do we track? Um, you know, if, if this were a scientific pursuit where you're trying to prove something, which, you know, we do want to do, um, if you're trying to like write a research paper on it, then, uh, accuracy in your tracking is important. But if you're using it for the purpose of, um, of studying yourself and understanding what you do and how you can improve, then accuracy is not particularly important as long as it's in the right ballpark. It's definitely a ballpark. <laughs> it's definitely in the right ballpark. Yeah, and once yeah, you're fluent, like, you know, who cares? <laughs> yeah. You know, if right. you're trying to build up to, say, spending three hours with the language each day, mm -hmm. and you miss, you know, 20 minutes, it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, two hours and 40 minutes is pretty close to three hours. So, like, that's not that far off from your goal. Uh, you don't need to stress about every minute that you want to hit and, you know, really being exactly like, ah, oh, it's got to be exactly this or it's got to be this threshold. It's um, the, the purpose of the goal, especially for identity uh, goals, is to make sure that you're doing it every day and make sure that it is increasing over time. Um, if you don't hit it in a day, that's fine. Do it the next day. Um, and if you, like, miss five minutes or you didn't record 20 minutes like who cares like it, it's not really important what you did yesterday it's much more important what you do tomorrow right wow now that is a sound clip put it on a t-shirt <laughs> no <laughs> so when when starting a new goal i feel like a lot of people um fizzle out when uh, choosing a new hobby totally. especially language learning and that's we see we that with the every year that's sort of like a yeah. meme right with like new year's resolutions uh gems for example are often packed for the first week or two and then yeah they fizzle out yeah it's kind of like they burn brightly and then like you know a star that dies like they burn until they just have no fuel left to to fuel them what do you think are some of the pitfalls with that is it they're setting goals that are just too big at first like they want to start sprinting and then continue sprinting every day and it's just unmanageable is it that they're relying too much on motivation or is it like a combination of things? So I sort of think about the core question of what is actually fueling your behavior change? What is fueling this thing that you're doing? Um, and so a lot of folks, they get motivated for their new year's resolutions, but motivation is just a feeling. It's I have enough energy and I want to do this thing. But motivation is a fleeting feeling. It comes and goes. And so if that is the only thing that is fueling your goal, then as soon as it goes away, you don't have anything to fall back on. There's nothing uh, to keep you moving forward. There's nothing to keep fueling your uh, pursuit of that goal. So I would not recommend using motivation as a primary fuel source for accomplishing anything. 
motivation not a good primary source. No, I think, and I think that's actually I've seen that with the coaching program where like people come in very excited, and I think what the coaching program does really well is it converts that motivation. It lets you lay the seeds of like having a system, which is why like the first four weeks we focus on just doing it every single day, just the basics. And making it sort of a part of your daily routine. Now, so you're not jumping right in saying I'm going to immerse for three hours a day. It's something. Lord, no, I don't do that. Not with, my, not with my clients. I um, I test. I see what they can do and right. what they want to do. So I like to set a soft goal and a hard goal. Hard goal is something you should hit every single day. Um, start really low, five minutes. Uh, and then as I know, it's like, okay, you can re reliably do 30 minutes a day of this every single day, kick it up a notch, but then also have a soft goal, a nice to have goal. Um, and I find that works really well. And if we don't hit the goals, I personally, uh, make sure that the goals are never totally untenable. You know, it's not like you need to go and immerse 80 hours this week. That's never going to be a goal that I would, I would give a client. Now to not to totally derail this, but to take it back. Speaking of perfectionism and have very strong opinions on streaks and why they're not good. What are those opinions? I actually don't know. I just know you don't like streaks. I don't know the specific. Yeah, I, I don't like streaks. Um, so streaks can be very powerful. The problem with them is that uh, the bigger your streak gets, the more painful it is when it's over, when you mess up. Yeah. R.I.P. yoga. Right, exactly. So, so Bree just told this story about how she did yoga for 90 days in a row, but then she couldn't do it anymore and there was no point. Yeah. Um, if you have a thousand day streak in something and you miss a day, you lost a thousand days. Like... Building that up is going to take another thousand days to get there. Uh, and that is, for me personally, that is so psychologically traumatizing that it just makes me not want to do anything. It makes me not want to start building the streak again. Uh, because it, it, it takes so long to get back up to that level that I might as well throw my hands up and give up. And so I don't personally find streaks to be uh, useful. I choose to focus on hit rate, so looking at the number of days over a given period that you do something. So rather than saying, you know, I've done this thing for 100 days in a row, I'll say, you know, I've done 80 out of the past 100 days, so I have an 80% hit rate. Because that's the kind of thing where if you miss a day, it only takes, uh, you know, if, if let's say you're doing that 100-day window, if you miss a day then it only takes 100 days for that error to fall off. So I typically do a four-week hit rate and an eight-week hit rate so I can sort of see things over time. And that four-week hit rate is nice because uh, if I make a mistake, I only have to wait four weeks before that error disappears. And it becomes much easier to get up to that 100% level. And so if I miss a day and it drops down to 90% or 95%, whatever it is, uh, my to get back to that hundred percent is a very achievable goal for me. I can see it, 
you know, very clearly on the horizon. I know exactly what I need to do to get there. Um, and so for my goals, I, you know, tend to uh, keep them in like the 90-ish percent hit rate range. You know, I don't need to be perfect. I can take a day off occasionally. I don't really care. Um, there are some goals where I'm like, no, I actually want 100% hit rate, but even those I still miss occasionally. But, you know, I've I've got my habit tracker, and so I monitor these um, these pretty consistently, though my current habit tracker doesn't actually show me uh, the hit rate I want to see. They have their own custom um, solution, their custom calculation for what it looks like. Are you using... It's like sort of logarithmic. Good. Are you using a loop? Yeah, I use loop. Gotcha. And you're a habit tracker beyond language stuff. You you track other habits as well. I've actually seen sure your do. system. Um, you color code the habits in your habit tracker, and each color is a different type of habit. Yes. Yeah, so I've got... Let me just pull it up real quick. I've got blue, yellow, and red. Um, blue is physical health, yellow is mental health, and red is Spanish. So... You know, for blue physical health, I have no zero days. So that's my daily minimum, what um, George was calling his soft goal. So for me, daily minimum, a single push-up, something that is uh, basically, it's it's so embarrassing. Or it, it's so embarrassing you would never want to miss it. Like, there there's no excuse for me not getting a single push-up in a day uh, or a single squat. So if if that's not 100%, like, I am personally embarrassed by it. It's currently not 100% because I definitely, like, let myself go during the holidays, uh, but I'm building back up to it. You know, not to uh, totally derail. I like yeah. squats. I am a big proponent. of <laughs> So I've gotten into um, mobile gaming here lately, and I'm a big proponent of the third world squat. Even though I'm a bigger guy, I'm kind of fat. I can squat for hours. I just enjoy it. I just I think I probably squat every day just doing what they call the, the third world squat or the Slavic mm -hmm. squat. Put it on your habit tracker and get 100%. I, I find squatting really comfortable. I prefer it over standing. <laughs> Not to totally derail. Uh, but Not to get a, you don't want a standing desk. You want to get a squatting desk instead. You know, I'm supposed to have a standing desk. Uh, ben wants to buy me one. Ben, for you guys who don't know, he's uh, our marketing guy. He's also a language coach. But I'm, I'm shy. I'm like, I don't want to take that, like, an expensive IKEA gift from you. Like, but yeah, George, I have said that. over and over and over again, I will subsidize your office. <laughs> All right. Well, I have proof. Standing That's desk time. Or squatting desk, rather. <laughs> squatting like, desk. You and I have had this, you and I have had this conversation so many times. Shy. You, like, I'm you shy. never take me up on it. <laughs> well, my shirts are vacation. my shirts. I did take a vacation, a forced vacation. Ethan was like, take a vacation <laughs> or I will make you. I'm like, okay. He, he went like Godfather. I, I had to remind, I, I reminded him every single week for three months to schedule a vacation and he still hadn't scheduled it. And I was like, was I'm scheduling great. it for you. I actually <laughs> really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being a day. Yeah, longer. vacations are great. You should they, take them They're great. I should take more of them. Uh, <laughs> I had time to do things and I. Maybe next time I won't have to bit. force you. Yeah, I think, I think I've learned. I think I've learned uh, <laughs> the value of a vacation. But... That's your goal. To take one more vacation this year. So you know, I didn't mention my, um, my, my goals for language learning because they're not. So I do have some goals. Uh, mostly I've been walking lately, like getting out of the house. So I kind of got a little bit like agoraphobic 
after COVID, after the, the two-year lockdown, and I stopped going out. And here lately, I've been walking every day. I've been going out, and um, there's like a little playground area. There's a pool um, in my compound. So my goals are unfortunately, or not fortunately or not, are not related to language learning. They're just related to actually like mental health, physical health. Um, and that's sort of been what I have been doing. Not language focused, but just like getting out of the house, walking, touching grass every day. And it's been great. I took the opportunity on my vacation. I'm not tracking it, but I should. And I was talking about That should be your soft this. goal to literally so, touch grass once a day. Like so embarrassing that you, you know. I need the habit tracker actually. I need the habit yeah. tracker to make sure that I'm doing things. I've got it. Actually, I downloaded it and I've just never used it, but I don't know. I'll use it. I'll see how it goes. It's great. Uh, I've been using mine for, I think, like a year and a half now. Uh, before that, I used to track in spreadsheets, which sucked. Spreadsheets. Yeah, it's a lot more fun. I downloaded the iPhone app and it is kind of fun, like ticking the button once a day. Like, yeah, I listen yeah. to, to a podcast for five minutes. I yeah. did it. <laughs> Bree, uh, so, you know, you mentioned that you uh, struggle with tracking. So one of the things that we have uh, had to do with some of our clients who also struggle with tracking is uh, have a check bar a checkbox in their habit uh -huh. tracker for tracking. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I should do it. I'm going to do it. You can. Just give me and a you second. Can I'm going to add it right now. On most of these Literally. habit tracking apps, you can set like a, a reminder, like a notification. Yep. Track and I would definitely... Something. 8 p.m. before you go to bed um, after the child is asleep and you've got time to like be an adult, definitely yeah, have a that. reminder. I like to say that I'm too chaotic for habit tracking. Like I'm too chaotic of a person. I don't think you but... are though. Cause like you, you're already in the habit you of tracking sheets? on toggle, right? Uh, I mean, I don't have spreadsheets, but I, I have toggle. You're a toggle user and like you've been yeah. a toggle user for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Toggle is just, it's different. Like, it, it makes my monkey brain happy when I see number go up. So I like Toggle. <laughs> but um, To me, that's so much more complicated. <laughs> but, like, I like to say I'm too chaotic for habit tracking, but I started doing the habit tracking with Loop for work reasons. So I'm like, okay, fine. I guess I'm an organized person now. I guess. <laughs> Reluctantly, you're going to. Yeah. The number goes up on Loop, too. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to find the number. And, happy monkey and, brain will still be yeah. happy. Happy monkey. Yeah, so <laughs> if if you click on it, it shows you all sorts of graphs and numbers. Ooh, I like graphs. And they're so pretty. Ooh, I, I like metrics as long as it's not difficult to get the metrics. Like I don't want to be entering yeah. things manually into a spreadsheet, but like yeah. I love how Link tracks my reading time, and yes. um, I have some. That's why I like Toggle too. YouTube tracker that tracks how much time I spend on YouTube. You do. You just press button. I, I do. Yeah. Um, Get it. Hook me up with the yeah, goods. That sounds good. It, yeah, it's a great little tracker. Um, you can't like tell it like, oh, I'm in a different account. It just tracks the whole thing. But assuming mm -hmm. that you only do stuff in Spanish, then it's basically like free. Oh, I don't. Time. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> I don't. It's all you fool. With each other. Yeah. Uh, oops. My bad. Uh, I've been exposed. So with. With goal setting, uh, you just wrote an email or you have like an email series right now that you're you're sending out to some people about how to set goals and keep them in the new year. And speaking of habit trackers, you wrote an email explaining that having a habit tracker was one of the best things you can do to like kindle 
a new um, habit that you're trying to form. So I would like you to stress how important <laughs> having <laughs> a tracker is for people who may be on the fence like Shiki and myself, um, how imperative it is to have one or how helpful it is to have one when, when creating a new habit. Yeah. So uh, specifically around identity-based goals and identity habits, uh, where you're trying to be a, a different kind of person, we're really bad at understanding what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Our memories are just terrible. So we get recency biased. Uh, we uh, have these images in ourselves of, of who we are that is not that are not actually accurate. Um, this is something that we we have with clients all the time where you know, they say, oh, I'm at this level of the language. And we realize, oh, no, you are not. You are definitely like more beginner than that. Um, or they say, oh, I'm like very good at doing X or I'm very good at immersing. Like I can do this many hours. And uh, after a week, it's like, oh, you did like a third of what you thought you could. And so you don't actually know who you are until you have an objective measurement of it. You have all of these things about who you think you are. Uh, and a lot of those are just wrong because we're bad at evaluating ourselves. So having something to objectively tell you uh, who you are based on what you do is extremely important for if you want to change who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you can't change who you are. Um, and that tracking access proof, it demonstrates that, oh, so am I the kind of person that immerses in Japanese every day? Well, uh, I don't have to trust my gut. I can go look at my numbers and say, yes, I have immersed in Japanese for 99% of this year, uh, which I think you know checks that identity box. So being able to prove that to yourself is extremely important because uh, you should not trust your own instincts as to who you are and what you're capable of. Makes sense. Yeah. So basically, it's a miracle I've made it this far, having <laughs> not tracked <laughs> anything. <laughs> I feel like you 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 fill in, if you fall into that sort of like media junkie uh, archetype of of language learner, you're a big reader, and you just I converted am. your reading habit into a Spanish yeah. reading habit. Yeah, it's it's getting harder now that. Um, outputting is like the horizon for me. Um, inputting is easy for me. That's never been a challenge. Age three transition. She started today. Yeah. I started today. as well. I started it today. I don't know what I'm doing today. But... <laughs> Case in <laughs> what, point. What year is it? Well, I mean, it's so easy to input. So like the getting to it a is. point where it I can so understand, so, especially like the better you get at it, the less you have to work to do it. So yeah. I feel like I've almost atrophied in my discipline because, you know, I'm so spoiled in my content. If I don't understand something, it's so easy to find something that I do have at least a 4, 4.55 comprehension in. Like I found this murder podcast because that's what I do in my spare time. Not murder, <laughs> but listen about murder. And it's so easy. Sure. I can. Yeah, don't look under my uh, crawl space, y'all. But um, anyway, it's like it's just so easy. To do that, it's hard for me to actually work again, especially yeah. as this might come as a shock 
as a huge introvert who doesn't like <laughs> really outputting in English, let alone Spanish. It's um, something that I've really, it's like pulling teeth. So I've gone through sprints of, or spurts, not sprints, Sprint is totally not the right word, but like spurts of actually doing italki lessons and, um, you know, practicing shadowing and all that stuff. But like, like you say, motivation was not enough to carry me through that. So I'm kind of at that phase where I'm like, I just have to like put on my big girl pants and do it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so funny because we, we focus so much of the refold method on enjoyment and yes, in do. order to like latch on to exactly what you're describing, where uh, it fits into your life. It is fun. It's something you do without having to work. Um, but like you said, it does cause that work aspect to atrophy. And the, the email that I wrote today was all about how if you're not actually exerting effort, if it's so easy for you, then you're not actually growing as a language learner. Um, right. Because you're not pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. You're not expanding your abilities because you're not exposing yourself to things that are difficult. And so it, if you want to continue to improve, it's important to seek out things that are more difficult, uh, that push your boundaries, that push your level of comfort with the language. Um, and that's where uh, habit tracking and all of this system building becomes extremely important. It's, you know, you don't need it if, it's, if you're doing things that are fun and easy for you. Uh, you need it for the things that are hard uh, and that are not unnatural or that are hard for you. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not at that stage yet where I have, I guess, consistent level five comprehension of things, um, it's like input is just comfy. And doing chorusing today for the first time was not comfy. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a struggle. How long but, did you do it for? Mm, Maybe 20 minutes. Oh, wow. But it, it took a long time to, like, get everything prepped to do it. Mm. Like, I was running into, into things I didn't foresee. Like, um, slowing down the audio too much made it weird and unnatural to try to, try to mimic. And then also, I was hearing myself through my audio interface with my mic. So it was distracting me and I couldn't hear the actual thing that I was trying to chorus. So I had to rearrange my audio setup and it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a, a common problem, right? Or when you first get into something, there are all these like little friction moments that stop you or like halt you in the process, um, like get in the way of you actually doing the thing. And those don't go away until you do it a bunch of times because you have to find all of those issues and correct them. And then once you've corrected them and you've gotten comfortable with it, it becomes so much easier to actually do the thing. Um, so, you know, I tried to set up chorusing uh, two weeks ago, ran into issues, dropped it for a week, came back, uh, actually got it set up and did some chorusing, had the exact same experience like, ah, my mouth hurts. Like, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and then, but now I've done it, you know, three days in a row and it's becoming so much easier to just pull it up and run with it. Um, like it's starting to feel natural, like a game. I'm getting much more comfortable with that experience and, you know, I'll continue to get 
more comfortable with it over time until it's uh, extremely natural for me. Yeah, I guess when it comes to this whole stage three transition thing, you just have to remind yourself that this is this is just how things have to be because, you know, day one of doing immersion was a similar kind of frustration probably. And you you got over it. <laughs> we all got over it. So oh, yeah, it's funny how we don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. Because I was just vibing watching time. anime. It was fine. <laughs> I was just vibing <laughs> watching anime. Me too, but in Spanish. That's my goal. <laughs> to learn Spanish so I can watch anime. They speak Spanish in Japan, right? But guys, yeah. I think we it's time. We that was I can't believe it. I had to double check the clock, but it's already been an hour. She was DMing um, me and I'm like, has it been an hour? And I looked at the clock <laughs> and I, I, I did the math. I'm like, yeah, we we we. I thought are it was like 15 hour. minutes. I felt yeah. like it had only been 30 minutes. Uh, this was yeah. like the the time flew by in this podcast. Yeah, Ethan, thank you so much for joining us and convincing me to continue tracking, even though I'm not motivated to do so. I appreciate what, it. What is the moral of this episode, Bri? I know that you. Hate the that moral part. is, oh God, this is tough. The moral is, <clears throat> track new habits. Pick goals that are identity-based and not destination-based and have fun, but also work out a little bit. That, that's the goal. Like, that's <laughs> Love that's that. the morals, and I'm sticking with it. But uh, anyway, thank you, everyone, for joining this week's episode of the Refold Roundtable podcast. If you're tuning in for the live premiere, make sure to join us for the after party immediately after the podcast in the Refold Discord. If you like this episode and want to hear more, you can listen to past episodes on YouTube and Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to give us a like and leave a comment to let us know. Want to suggest a topic for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Suggest future topics in the Refold Discord. And that's all for this week. And we will talk to you later. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Refold Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and maybe even learned something new. Projects, events, and content like this podcast are only possible thanks to our generous patrons. If you liked this and want to see more similar projects, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Visit community.refold.la slash Patreon-benefits to learn more.